Rattled. 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 <laughs> Why are you pointing at me? <laughs> it's literally my favorite not telling people to say it and then just like <laughs> seeing how long it takes. <laughs> I honestly forget to tell people that we expect them to do that. It's yeah, you guys. Every time. <laughs> We're so sorry. Yeah. I'm shaking my head. <laughs> um today we have a dear friend of katie and mine our good friend jessica walker as a guest everyone give her a round of applause in your cars jess we'll get you to introduce yourself in a second but um maybe katie and i can tell everyone a little bit about how we know you. I know Jess because she is my sister's age and they were in elementary school together. Well, I was also in the elementary school at the time, but they were in like classes together. So Jess has been in my life for a long time. Uh, we did like youth ministry together for a long time. And thankfully, we're still best buds. And she's just one of my fave people. And it always makes me laugh. Always has like really lovely, wise things to say. Always a good time. So Jess is a good bud of mine. Yep. I'm going to add on. I did not go to elementary school with Jess, but we met in 2015. Um, we worked at a summer camp together for summer, which was a hoot. And one of my favorite memories was I think it was like, yeah, October after, or around October when you came to visit Edmonton. <laughs> and then John and I came and got you at the airport. And because I didn't have a car or a drive at that point. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> so embarrassing. And I had to get my boss, <laughs> I had to get my boss to like pick Jess up. <laughs> Luckily, John is a great, great guy and we had a good time. But anyways, this is not relevant. All I'm saying, I'm trying to say is Jess is always the most funnest person to have adventures with. And one of the best things about moving here is being in her life more. And it's such a privilege to me to, to know Jess and hang out with her. And I just love how she becomes friends with everyone. Mm-hmm. Like best friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my roommates just love her. So <laughs> so fun. I love them. So <laughs> Um, Jess, welcome to the pod. Would you mind Thank you. would you mind telling us a little bit about uh, oh, man. yourself and like what you do for work and yeah and stuff? I don't pod. Is that a thing? Like I don't pod? I don't know. But <laughs> um hi, I am yeah, Jess, Jessica. I've had some of my friends call me Jay Walks, as Rebecca knows, I've had many nicknames. Some will not be named on this podcast. Is it inappropriate? Um, <laughs> but yes, I'm so happy to be here. These are two of my closest friends. I love their podcast. They're awesome. Um, great ideas going on. Um, to introduce myself, um, I usually start with Haskell, which is good day. And that is in the Squamish language. Um, I come from the Squamish nation as well as I come with Ukrainian and Scottish heritage. Um, Squamish is from my father's side and Scottish and Ukrainian from my mother's side. Um, and that is just a decolonized way in how to introduce ourselves as we honor our families. And I am calling in from the Musqueam, Salatooth, and Squamish lands um, in Vancouver. And technically I do live on the Squamish territory, which I'm very thankful to live on my ancestors' territory at the moment, and it's a very beautiful land. If you've ever been to Kitts, if you're from Vancouver, um, right now I'm working for my nation um, as a social work assistant. Um, very honored to work for them. It's been a real privilege to be reconnected with my community and culture, and um, learning the ways um, that my ancestors have done, and my grandparents and my father and so yeah it's been a it's been a journey it's pretty fresh like everything's been like what five months January I don't even know sorry it's 2021 we're in a second year of pandemic 
my brain does not work anymore. <laughs> Sorry, I think I sing when I when I can't think. Um, yeah, it's a little bit about me. I both met. Yeah, I've known Rebecca forever, like literally forever. So long. <laughs> like, well, I'm turning 25 this year, so 20 years. Oh like, my god, we, we would have known each other for 20 years, Rebecca. Oh like, think god. about that. That's, that's, wow, that's <laughs> unreal. That's obscene. like, yeah. And Rebecca's sister is literally is the best. Like, she's the sweetest, and she is the best. Um, I'm so happy that I've got to stay connected with her family because they're all the best. Oh my gosh. Sorry, my mom's trying to FaceTime me, but I'm going to tell her I'm on a podcast, mom. I'm being interviewed. Joanne, welcome to the pod. <laughs> yeah, we can yeah, her in. Call her in. Sorry, I'm just going to text her, but yeah, it's an honor to be a part of the um, Rebecca family. We used to do homework sometimes at her house at like 2 a.m. Oh my God. And like her parents were watching, remember they used to watch the show Madam Secretary and then I really got into it. Yeah. <laughs> I would literally try to talk to them about it. <laughs> I do remember that. It's a good show. So if you want to watch it and you really like politics and old lady shows, please watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's a decent show. It is a decent show. And it talks about world issues and girl power to Madam Secretary. She's yeah. a really good she's a good Madam Secretary. Like I wish I wish she was our Ma- our America's Madam Secretary, but <sighs> sadly not. Actually, I'm not getting into politics. I was going to go into it, but yeah. No, but yeah. Is that everything? Sorry, I went on a ramble. That's beautiful. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> uh, yeah, we covered everything from your work to your favorite TV shows. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll start off with everyone's favorite question. Katie and Jess, what has been rattling you this week or lately? Mm-mm. There's a lot of things. Um, I can go. I just feel like I get rattled at a lot of things, like driving downtown. But um, <laughs> true. I was telling my coworkers that I literally am a different person between Burrard Bridge and Lionsgate. I'm a, I'm a different personality. It comes out, I get really mad, very aggressive. But I think the one thing me and my roommate were talking about that really rattles us is the comeback of low-rise jeans. <laughs> this is a long conversation, as I was mentioning to you guys earlier. Why? Like, why are they a thing? Like, I watched the Hannah Montana movie the other day. And Miley's wearing her low-rise jeans. And you see her in the movie, like, pulling down her shirt so her, like, butt card wasn't showing, you know? Like, it's just, it's not comfortable. It's, it's like, not flattering. It's, it's, they don't need to come back. That's, like, my biggest thing. They do like, not need to come back. Cancel low-rise jeans. Yeah, yeah like, yeah, get, like, mid-rise. I can do mid-rise, but, like, we've been, like, blessed with high-rise jeans for a long time. And we're just backtracking now, you know? <laughs> There's so many benefits to high-rise jeans. Yeah. There's zero benefits to low-rise jeans. Like, if you could tell me, like, please message the rattle pod and tell me a freaking benefit of low-rise jeans. Like, I need, if you have one. See, and if there's none, I prove my point. There's no benefits. Yeah. That's that's my rat. That's my short little. Next episode. (laughs) Yeah, what rattles us about low rise jeans? Yeah, and other comebacks in fashion. True. Just honestly, I can go off. (laughs) I can go off about that kind of stuff. The trends of fashion within pop culture. So many questions. So many questions about early 2010s, early 2000s. (laughs) Like low rise skirts too were a thing with the ruffles. You know? Yeah, they're coming back. I've seen them. Dude, I saw a girl wearing Ugg boots in public the other day with low-rise, like, low-rise um, sweatpants with, like, paw prints on her bum. And I'm like, no. no. <laughs> I was like, we're not here. Like, this is n- not that long ago. <laughs> COVID just took us all back, hey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it was just, it just, I was like, I'm not ready for this to be a statement again. Like, she rocked it, but I'm not ready for it. 
So yeah, good answer. Thank you. What about you, Katie, Becca? Uh, good question. Good question. <laughs> I was hoping something would come to mind. Um, yeah. Yesterday was like, I had a lot of bad drivers encountered, like on, on all my routes. Didn't know I'd make it home. <laughs> I was like, today's the day I'm going to get an accident because I don't know what's in the water in Surrey today, but people are just not signaling, mm-hmm. cutting people off, doing their own <laughs> thing I don't know what it was so that was rattling um but honestly I'm feeling pretty good I think I got the vaccine a couple days ago so it changes yeah you're like nothing can rattle me now the end is near I have it in my body the experience of getting it was like phenomenal I cried people were so kind it was just a good atmosphere good vibes can you can you tell me, um, like on a scale of one to ten, how you felt about Bill Gates before you got the vaccine, and how you feel about Bill Gates after you've gotten the vaccine? I would, I mean, condolences because I know he's recently filed for divorce, but True. I would uh, slide into his DMs for sure. Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's how I feel. I gotta pay off my student loans somehow. So <laughs> only lives in Seattle, so he's not that far. <laughs> Like, if he just needs a companion, I would hang out with him. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, if he needs a companion and then he can, like, he can get me a car that can take him. I'll hold his hand for a car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, maybe don't put that in there. <laughs> hey, we're not, we're not hey, Yeah, okay. <laughs> Back his turn. I'm, I'm just intrigued. Like, I would, I would want him to build me a computer. Like, <laughs> hey, can you build me a computer? <laughs> like him, oh, personally, like with his own hands, build you a computer. I want to see him build me a computer with his own hands. <laughs> so Bill, if you're listening at Bill Gates, yeah, build me a computer, please. Dad? <laughs> Did you say dad? Oh. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, Becca. <laughs> Take it home. <laughs> Take it home. What's been rattling me? Um, a couple things. One, the gas prices in oh, yeah. our city right now are obnoxious. It's so high. Like, it's actually upsetting. In this city, it's like a buck 60 almost, like 159. Yeah, so bad. So bad. Also, um, that I haven't been vaccinated yet. Also, like, it's not that I haven't been vaccinated yet, but because I know, like, I'm a 20-something who works from home and I don't see people. So I accept that I should be the last person on this planet to get a vaccine, but watching everyone else get them is actually so I didn't think it's gonna be this painful, but like literally yeah. everyone in my life has their vaccine. Jess, do you have it? Yeah, I got it in March. Oh yeah. 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 The FOMO is real. Yeah. I got a lot of DMs being like, oh, I didn't get a sticker. <laughs> People are most rattled that they didn't get a sticker. It's like when oh. you go vote and you don't get one, you're like, oh yeah. I got a really cool one. The Squamish Nation made their own. Fun, cool. Yeah. yeah. But you might be getting it soon. I know someone in your area. Mm-hmm. That... Yeah, I think I can make an appointment tomorrow, which is exciting. <gasps> That's exciting. Maybe next week or something. That combats the uh, um, gas prices a little bit. Yeah, no? sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, keep everyone updated with, okay, how I rate Bill Gates on a scale of one to 10 right now is like a five. So I'll update you all next week if I feel better about him or worse after I get Yeah, him. that's a good okay. that's a good check in. How do we feel about Bill Gates? If my I'm a, if my data gets better on my phone, I'll let you all know. Yeah. If Bill Gates had anything to do with Roger shutting down nationwide the other week, <laughs> I don't want anything. He's a one. But if he <laughs> if he can fix the gas prices, he's an eleven out of ten. So <laughs> At Bill Gates single-handedly fixing our gas prices. Yeah. 
Yeah. At Bill Gates, build me a computer and fix Vancouver's gas prices. <laughs> build me a computer. If <laughs> <laughs> you can't see my room at Bill Gates on my sticky pad. <laughs> then just put it up to the camera. Maybe he might not be listening, but he may be watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's true. He's probably shout out to Bill. Bill. Or Secret Server agent that is watching me. Secret Server agent. (laughs) If you know him, (laughs) you know where to find me. (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. Oh my god. (laughs) Um. Okay, from shifting gears from Bill Gates. Jess, we have you on because um, as you told us earlier, you're an indigenous person and you work for your nation and you also have a Christian background. Mm -hmm. So we're really excited to have you on to chat about colonization, um, the church's relationship with indigenous people all those good things well all those things they're not good all those awful things <laughs> really share it off strong there but <laughs> no i know what you're saying okay. um but we'd like to start off by asking you jess what rattles you about christianity christians the church <laughs> Yeah, I think if we're doing, like, there's honestly a lot of things, um, being in the church as a woman, mm. as, a, like, a, I'm way passing, if you saw me, but as a BIPOC woman or indigenous woman, like, that's right, like, there's a lot of things, but if we're talking about indigeneity, I think um, the lack of support from churches now, the lack of education um, of what the church has done, like in the name of God, what has been done to indigenous people in Canada and the world, um, the institution, the institutionalization of the church within Canada to basically assimilate and co- like cultural, a straight nine cultural straight up genocide of indigenous people mm-hmm. in Canada over the past 200, 250 years. Um, 300 years I don't even know when first contact was what seven I learned this I learned this the other day yesterday the first contact with our people was in 772 or 727 so it wasn't that long ago um first it was a span Spaniards I believe and then it was Captain Vancouver um that came into contact with the Squamish people um yeah there's a lot that we can discuss but I think the biggest thing is just a lack of understanding um the church is there to help those who are hurting but they're ultimately pushing away and have systematically hurt those that they're supposed to like support or like what is so tricky because literally they like the church came here and destroyed and then they're called to help those people that they've literally destroyed so it like doesn't doesn't make sense um yeah I think for me as an indigenous person I was always taught that my indigeneity was bad like our indigenous beliefs um that they're from the devil like they weren't right um which really like left a piece missing for me I'm like there's something I was always like there's something missing and now I think, now that I'm recon- reconnecting with my culture and our traditions and our spirituality, I feel whole again. Like this wholeness that was like proposed by people to me that Jesus was supposed to be this whole for me, but it really, they were denying everything that was me in a sense. Um, and trying to give me like a whitewashed version of Jesus. Um, <laughs> sorry, no, sorry. Um, but yeah it's a journey it definitely is um i think the church has a lot a lot a lot a lot of work to do um and i think that work does it doesn't look like sharing the gospel to indigenous people indigenous people have belief in the divine like they believe in a creator a lot thousands of years before like 
there's remnants of Squamish people like 10,000 years ago, so thousands of years before there's any contact with like ancient times, like there, there was a belief in the creator and a divine and creation in the spirit world. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done, but that's more of education and reconciliation uh, work. Yeah, I don't know, I can, I can go on and on. Um, yeah, it's been, yeah. It's been it's been a journey for myself, especially I think these past five years. Um, learning learning what it means to like stand up for people, um, empowering indigenous people, um, working on healing myself, but as well as supporting those around me to get healing. Um, yeah, indigenous people are very resilient people. They're like the best people like and you look at indigenous people in canada but you can also look at like Ch like chile and south america like we have been taken over from our land and i was just thinking about like genesis and we talk about god's creation um and how he created the lands and i read somewhere that the land we don't own the land the land owns us but like owns us like we belong to the land that's where our sacredness and our connection and our whole being comes from. And it's true, like, we we pass on. We're not here for very long, but the land has stand still. And that creation has stayed. And um, I think the colonized Western Christian view is take, 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 develop, 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 change, change, change people. But what about understanding and connecting to the land and creation that was given to us um and just the principles of indigenous thinking even squamish thinking of like respecting each other respecting the land caring for your own caring for your family caring for your own um i just see that more of the gospel that that i was taught about i see the actions of indigenous people how they live their lives more than western Christians that I know today um, as we live in like a very individualized state um, I see way better community and love and support than say a general church um, in this area there's some, like some, some that I've attended and so um, I think they got it right a long time ago and they were living a divine life with the divine at the center and then colonization happened, so, <sighs> yeah. It's just a blurb of things. <laughs> Sorry, I can't do silent. <laughs> that was really good, Jess. Um, I have a lot. I feel like I could just literally ask me questions <laughs> like because it's like it's a lot like there's a lot of layer there's colonization there's like the church now there's the in-between like there's the history of residential school and 60s scoop and um like even slavery or um freaking smallpox blankets killing thousands close to I don't know if it's a million um like literally ask me anything and I'll answer to the best of my ability. I have a question about your own experience, yeah. um, which maybe feels like a bit of a tangent from what you just said, but something that you said, like um, at the very beginning when you introduce yourself, yeah, um, you're talking about how you now like can live on the land of your ancestors and like you're connected with um, your community, reconnected with your culture. I mm -hmm. would be interested to know um for yourself like what kind of shift has happened in your spirituality from like living in the suburbs your whole life um mm -hmm. and, like, being in like suburban life and suburban christianity versus like moving to where you are and like that wholeness that you were telling us about 
Like I'd love to know. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think like my my whole life, like my father, who's indigenous, it doesn't have didn't have a lot of culture because he also lived off the reserve as a child. He's an awesome man. Like I love him dearly, as you know, as you know him. Oh, we he's love a him. Great, great. Yeah, we love him. He's a great human being. Both of my parents are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I always was missing something. <laughs> being introduced to like my parents aren't Christian. I don't come from a Christian background. Um, like some family stuff that we would attend early on, but um, but being introduced to it early, I thought this would be like my fulfilling moment, my wholeness. And I always thought there was like this piece missing. There's something missing. There's something missing. And I thought, oh, it has to be Jesus. Like I was told it, it's Jesus. So I'm like, oh, it has to be this. Like, it has to be this. And I think it never, it never made me feel like I, I, I belong. Like I always felt, I, I never felt like I belonged in that circle. I never felt that this was like, like it, like obviously felt good to be in community, but it never felt. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, um, it never felt. Um, yeah, like whole. And I think being on this journey, uh, my grandmother died when I was twelve or eleven, and then in high school, you're just rebellious, and that's where I got introduced to youth ministry. Um, and then kind of got introduced. I went to school in Saskatchewan for a little bit. I did an indigenous uh, university program. And that's where I saw that shift. I'm like, whoa, what is this? Like, what is, and by, and during that time too, I became stronger in my faith. And I think it's just been like this wrestle of back and forth of like, I want to know more about my indigenous culture and my spirit, like that spirituality side. But over here, they're telling me that I need to repent and recall like my indigenous heritage because it's from the devil. Like it just doesn't. So I was like living in this in between, and then I started working in um, Surrey Central as a youth outreach worker, and I just met some amazing youth and Indigenous youth, especially. And they just showed me that life is so much more than attending church, and like the divine is in every person and every culture and every being, and it doesn't look the same, and it looks different, and it's not the devil, like it's not the, it's not the devil playing with different people. Like if, if someone's different than me, it's not the devil. Mm-hmm. It just because they're different. It's not, it's not bad. Like it, it's not a bad thing. And you know, just because something's different than the normalization that I grew up in, in like a colonized state um, or in colonized society, um, indigenous is different. It's not bad. Um, so it's been kind of this process of learning what it means to like to be a christian um and what it means to be like an indigenous woman and with it respecting like like i grew up more like ukrainian culture wise on my mom's side but um learning what it means to be yeah christian indigenous and i think it came to a point where i'm like i don't think i could be a part of the church right now and do this because everyone who I'm surrounded with, like, I feel like won't, like, I can't, I can't fully explore it at this time while being confined in the institution of a church. Um, and so I've kind of gone to this concept of God is in the he, like you've talked about in your podcast before, God is the divine, God is creator. Like, I don't even like to say the word God anymore, and to use creator the creator who created us, who created the cycle of life, who created the earth, who created the, the ones that the ones that walk with us, the ones that swim below us, and the ones that fly above us. Um, like just that transformation. Yeah, it's always it's always been a wrestle and it's always been a missing piece. I think now I feel like that's that missing piece. And I feel like now that I know and I feel like a part of my identity like especially being mixed race it's like feeling like it's weird because I'm like I'm not I'm white but I'm not fully white I'm indigenous but I'm not fully indigenous so it's like I can just be me and I can still like 
I was explaining to someone today, like, I want to honor my ancestors because they weren't able to practice their culture or have their traditions. Like, I want to, I want to honor them in the way I live. Um, and that can look different than normal Christianity, but I want to, like, engage in the divine. And indigenous people already aren't doing that. But, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a journey, um, definitely back and forth. Um, like at one point, like I was like, again, yeah, just people are bad. Like I've thought those thoughts, like I've had my own biases. And I still do. Like it's good to take gears to uncover almost what 25 years of biases of my own people. And so, um, yeah, it's definitely been a journey. I have really great people in my life right now that are teaching me a lot about it. Um, my family's super supportive and I get to teach them too, who don't have that much connection to our community. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> Sorry, I was like sponge. Sorry, everything you said. <laughs> so beautiful. Um, yeah, I really like the like the piece that you're talking about just like reclaiming your identity and your heritage and mm-hmm. how like yeah like the divine god like created every person and it's interesting that we as like western church has like tried to like you can come and be in this space and be a part of this community but you have to leave like part of you behind <laughs> and yeah so I don't know like I would love to hear more about like what is the reclaiming your identity like process has been like what are things that you've been learning slash excited about that um have been encouraging to you like in that process um I think the first process was like really sitting sitting in the the freaking hurt and pain of colonization and what it has done to us. I think before I could even have joy, like even this week, I was, you just think like, um, thinking of the way colonization has created so much generational trauma in our family, how much of our culture was lost, um, how many of our ancestors and our population has drastically decreased due to colonization. Um, I think of residential, like, and sitting in the realities of residential school and connecting, like, this, how it impacts my family as my grandma was a residential school survivor um, and seeing it impact, like, my extended family and people that I'm meeting at work and that extended family through work. And um, I think first sitting in the pain and uncomfortableness and knowing it's okay to sit in that um, has been like the greatest learning experience, I think, for a while. And knowing that it's heavy, like it's heavy stuff that Indigenous people have to deal with day in and day out. They're working in a yeah anti-Indigenous government that pushes against, it was basically created to assimilate them and it's heavy and learning to like I have to sit in that every day as my own self but I was knowing I'm a white passing person but my friend beside me is not so they have a different experience or my cousin beside me is not or my aunt beside me is not and so um sitting with that reality has been really hard but finding joy in that to be a part of people's lives and walk with them advocate have those conversations I never got to have those conversations as I've been experiencing this my whole life it's been nice to have conversations and talk about the impacts of colonization in our lives the impacts of residential school the trauma that we face as indigenous people um yeah and now my like identity as a person is I am Squamish and I'm proud to be indigenous and I often was not. I'm proud to be Ukrainian and my and from my mom's side and being like obviously just genetically I'm Scottish, but there's really there's no connection to that at all in our family. But um, just having those two cultural pieces is 
I feel happy to like strong to be there and I'm like I want to learn and I feel confident in knowing that I'm like reconnecting with with my community and culture um and they're opening their like a lot of people are opening their opening their arms opening their arms open arms I don't know I don't know what the term is I can't think um but they're very very sweet people and they um yeah I'm just really yeah I'm, I'm also just so excited to learn from the people I work with some of the youth I work with are really like culturally strong and it's been a really huge honor to work alongside them and learn from them I'm like I can't wait to learn from you because you know so much um yeah I'm just I'm excited yeah to bring it yeah bring it back to my immediate like I've said before immediate family to be more connected to the land I think every day I grow a stronger connection to the land so I've been spending a lot of time in the forest um I'm reading a book called braiding sweetgrass I'm reading that right now with my work yeah. yes yes it's literally oh the most life-changing goodness. book ever oh, um literally I talk to trees every day <laughs> so um, oh well but like being reconnected to the land and giving recognition like land acknowledgements um like just recognizing this is where our ancestors have lived for thousands and thousands of years it's crazy to me so a lot like I live really close to the beach and then that's a huge connection piece for me is water um I got to like make cedar bracelets yesterday that was really cool um yeah and just like recognizing my own strength and resiliency and I, I just look forward to practicing my culture and traditions um to make like my grandmother and my ancestors proud um, and carry on the traditions and be resilient because a lot of people have lost their traditions and don't have a means to give it back and I think this conversation has a lot of culture and knowledge that has been held within the nation and I'm just really lucky to learn it from the people that I get to learn it from um yeah yeah and just learn, I'm also learning about like traditional medicine and plants and that's really cool and learning that the earth can offer us so much so much and we give nothing back <laughs> so it's such a beautiful analogy of just how much it gives us and how much the earth loves us in a sense because it was made by the creator um i think for us like it was made like the, the fact that it was made for us to survive but we don't own it like i think that's where we get mixed up um i really look forward to this next generation i really like love working with youth and i can see this next generation really moving forward with reconciliation um proper reconciliation instead of just saying so sorry and throwing money mm. at people <laughs> like true reconciliation where we listen and we hear people's stories and we empathize with them and we don't try and change them we don't try to share the gospel or force jesus down our throat a little bit but we just listen and be with them in their time of pain i think indigenous people are healing healing processes are happening, family restoration. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm excited for the future as things kind of, it's hard right now because we see a lot of pain and brokenness and you look at like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict um, and you see that affects the colonization there and it's like it will forever be heavy and there's always going to be people who are being oppressed but um there's still hope and perseverance and resiliency and i think the church is really has a lot of great opportunity to see healing and they zero they don't utilize it at all <laughs> so and they have like a lot of churches have a lot of great resources that can be used to promote healing for people um and i i have hopefulness that they will churches will do that um especially in the next generations to come and like 
my undergrad was in peace and conflict studies and um in that in that world they say peace work and restore like restorative peace um and positive peace work takes like 10 times longer than the trauma that has caused so you think about the 250 years of trauma like look at us 400 500 years down and there's still trauma happening today within the systems of the government so like it's just it's a long it's a long process but we can walk together in it and i'm excited about that wow um yeah i would i love that you sort of brought us there i have like a couple questions um Mm -hmm. along the lines of reconciliation um yes a i would love for you to um expand on how you think like churches as organizations or churches as institutions can help Mm -hmm. um or can move reconciliation along mm-hmm. um, but also uh how like the people in those churches can do it and yeah. do you think one is like more important than the other like the church as an institution or like the church as individual people like doing reconciliation work yeah um i think reconciliation work is first acknowledging that the church is an institution and has been an institution within the government for a long time. I don't even think that's recognized. Um, And recognizing the harm, I think that's first, within the people and within the institution of the church and educating yourself on the past. I just found it really interesting. Now I look back now and I did this deliverance prayer thing and we looked back and I had to denounce my family, but what about the harm that colonization of the families that have come the settlers have come on but the harm that their families done that was never on the pages yeah and the terrible things that people have done to indigenous people or anywhere in the world um or even like the BIPOC community or um things like that um I think yeah awareness like acknowledgement is always first education like actively educating yourself, paying for that education, paying people, indigenous people to share. There's a lot of great free resources on like on Instagram, a book, like 21 things that I didn't know about the Indian Act is a great one by Bob Joseph. Um, I always rent that from the library. Like education, like if you can pay for the means, of it, like if you can pay for it, pay for it. If you don't have the means to, there are free ways to educate yourself um showing up in community like obviously not right now with COVID but there's powwows in different communities and they usually welcome other community members to come join um I think that is a really important thing showing up relationships indigenous people are so relationally based we love our community we want to be with each other we care for one another um that's not just like I want to make an indigenous friend. Like, it'll naturally come. Um, it'll come a time, but... Um, and I think, like, recognizing the way colonization works now in our society, mm. like, through development, what are, like, what are you developing? You're developing unceded territory. Unceded territory. What's unceded territory? Unceded territory is that these lands were never signed off. They were basically stolen. Like you look at in the prairies and they have like treaty four, treaty six, treaty seven. That's because they signed a treaty off. We never signed a treaty off. This is un- unceded stolen lands. Um, and recognizing that. Yeah. And seeing like educating yourself on how it works and what can you do? Yeah. Show up. Pay like paying for organizations that support healing within communities that support clean drinking water. We literally don't clean drinking water in our own country. Like we look to other third world countries, countries in Africa, countries in South America, we're like, oh, poor them. But what about our own country? I'm not saying poor them indigenous people because indigenous people are awesome, but and resilient and have been living under it and surviving and doing their thing. But 
we forget about um, that, I think, often. Um, I think appropriation is a huge thing right now as Indigenous, as Indigenous art. I've been learning a lot about Indigenous artwork and how that has been appropriated uh, through time. Like a lot of, I think I was somewhere on the Sunshine Coast and I bought, I was looking at car, Indigenous cards. I looked on the back, it's a white woman selling them. I was very confused. Um, and I remember asking the store owner if, it, if they knew that this artist was Indigenous, he said no making money off of indigenous artwork. Um, you hear stories of people selling indigenous artists selling stuff on the downtown east side for really cheap and then they, you find it in a gallery later like marked up. Like it's just like that kind of stuff too, like educating yourself, yeah, on the appropriation of stuff. And especially as indigenous culture becomes popular or becomes the fad thing. Um, how do we respect it and how do we engage in that culture and traditions respectfully and not in it like an appropriative way? Um, I think it's really important that comes to everyone, like depends on your connection to the community and, and um, yeah, it, that can be a lot of conversation, but um, yeah, there's so many facets, but I think first is acknowledgement, recognizing, education, education, action together. Like you can listen. This is my biggest thing. This is my biggest question. This is what riles me the most. <laughs> People are like, I'm learning. I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning. I'm like, you can only listen for so long. You're not learning. That's only one way of learning. You can you need to learn while doing the work too. There's like a hands-on learning approach as we know, like, okay, we can listen to lectures for a hundred years, but we're not really learning. We're not having, like, say we're trying to learn nonviolent communication. Rebecca, you can you can talk to me about nonviolent communication forever, but it's not until I practice start using my language in nonviolent ways that I'm really learning. And I think that has to do with the reconciliation process and learning about indigenous um, culture. Yeah, cultures showing up, um, protests um, can be a way if that's a way of you showing up. I think knowing the policies and pushing against them, if that's something you're comfortable with doing, um, just standing up on the street. If someone says something, you're like, hey, that's not okay. Or your, your friends, like someone calling us an Indian, for an example. I'm gonna tell you right now, we're not Indians. We're not from India. Sorry, big surprise there. Um, and that's what they called us because they literally thought they're in India when the first discoverer and person, I don't know their name, but when they first came in, I thought they were in India, so they call us Indians, but um, educating yourself on the right terms, like indigenous, first, what's like, what's the difference between First Nations, Métis, Inuit, um, and knowing that as well, like within, within the education action, there's so much uh, work. And I think within acknowledgement and education, there comes listening. When we engage with communities, we need to listen to stories. We need to understand, and we need to hear what Indigenous people want. Because mm -hmm. we're in a state now where we have to live with the reality of nothing. So we can't kick everyone off our land and be like, "This is our land again." Most Indigenous people are a mixed race. Most Indigenous people are, um, yeah, they're living off reserve. Um, yeah, so I think listening. Um, education and listening with action. Like it kind of all kind of has to work in like a uniform way. Like you can't listen for five minutes, go do something and say, that's it. Like it's a repetitive thing that will happen for the rest of your life. And it's like a cycle that needs to happen. Um, and just being okay with being uncomfortable, asking questions. Um, and I think also listening is a really important thing too, because a lot of our, Traditions and cultures are told orally. Like we, we didn't write a lot of things down. Um, and so we love talking. <laughs> we love storytelling. Um, yeah, I think that's like a step in the process. I don't have like the full answer. This is the cure to the sickness and sins of fr freaking colonization. But um, I think it's a start.
I think until Paul, like we need policy changers in legislation. Like we need people to be changing policies. Um, I think it's like a thing where we see a lot of change um, to all those Gen Zers out there going to policy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I hope that answers your I'm losing this time. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah. I think Becca and I are both like, ooh, this is a lot of things. That was so good. And I don't know where to go with it. <laughs> <laughs> you were all shook. <laughs> That's Classic. Fair. Every guest we've had, this happens. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I just loved everything you said. And I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like you can't, like, I, you really need to like ask people and not assume what's the best way to start like a reconciliation process. And I think that's like the issue sometimes with churches is like assuming they know what needs to be done to make things right. And um, I think there's just like a lack of communication, lack of um, acknowledgement, and then just a lot of assumptions made And then I also feel like, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, Jess, but I also feel like Indigenous communities also don't owe it to the church to help them in those processes if they don't want to, you know? 100%. Disclaimer, if a church rolls up to a reserve or a community and be like, we want to help you, and they say no, walk away. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm also like, and also that's a good point to make, Katie, um, indigenous and i'm saying like reconciliation is yeah with especially within the church is not showing up and being like we have the answer to your hurt and trauma jesus yeah like like that's that's not what reconciliation is um like if people want to choose and want to ask questions that's great and if they want to go that route that's their own choice and there already is a lot of christian folks within catholics and shakers and um different religions within within indigenous communities because of colonization but that's um their own family's choices and i think that's a huge thing that the church needs to realize is that colonization is definitely not through it's not yeah definitely not not through coming in and being like we have the answer to life this is going to fix all your problems um and that our ways and morals and traditions are the right way. Like that's not reconciliation. That's exactly what they were doing a hundred years ago, but more discreetly and saying we're being good. Mm-hmm. But you're being harmful. And I think that's the scary thing too now too is with this movement is that people can be like, we talk about performative allyship and it's so easy to hide now because you post something on Instagram and you share something on instagram where you share something on facebook but that's it and then you walk away and you're still living out your life and you're still upholding white supremacy and you're still upholding colonized policies but you're doing no work and so and everyone's different like maybe you know about like maybe you've been educated a lot through other means and so what does it look like to take actions for yourself? Or maybe you have no, you have no idea about residential school. Maybe you grew up in the middle of the prairies and you have no idea what was going on. And so you need to start there. Um, and so everyone's, yeah, at different stages in their, in their journey of reconciliation with Indigenous people. Um, I'm not saying, yeah, go make an Indigenous friend right now. Um, if you're like, I, I think that could be harmful too. Like I just want to use that as a disclaimer, like don't go make a friend just because you want to feel good about yourself. <laughs> Pretty yeah. Much. Um, but yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. I agree with what you said, Katie, in the long term, long, long story short, long term. Sorry. <laughs> I don't word usually. I can't word. Is that even a thing? Do I have a word? 
Um, something that I was thinking, like a practical thing for people who are listening, and Jess and I have like talked about this before, but um, and yeah, so um, I was really so I did a blanket ceremony over Zoom, um, which I think it was like just you're saying like some like there's some bands and like are that are okay with doing it on Zoom and then some prefer like to do it in person and like all that kind of situation and I'm assuming that like as people are getting vaccinated I'm sure they'll do in person um blanket ceremonies again like probably next year um but I was really struck by just the like resilience and like um I don't even know like what word I'm thinking of to describe the facilitators that chose to out of their own time (laughs) educate and share their trauma and share like that history with a group of people who like most a mostly white room and um and obviously it's a like a very emotional like experience like it it brings up like a lot of stuff and then to to also you're like I don't know just thinking about like they also witness like emotional heaviness or emotional response from people who directly indirectly harmed them I don't know it just like that like thought like blew my mind of like that you are like what word would you even describe a a person that is like willing to step into that space to have a desire to bring reconciliation and I'm like if there's people out there that are like willing to like do this and walk with us in this in that kind of space why don't we all not do this (laughs) and like um like learn and um that that was like something that really struck me I was like Mm -hmm. why are we all not (laughs) signing up at the next like available opportunity to do something like that and I think that's like I don't know it was really helpful for me and yeah could be helpful for people who want more like because I think that's the hard piece too is like and and I can just speak for myself but Mm -hmm. when I learned about residential schools in um high school and middle school it was not taught by an indigenous person it was taught by mrs smith <laughs> white lady who learned about it at university mm-hmm. um did the best she could but um but then there's also this like edited information like it's not true like not at all of it's accurate and there's mm-hmm. so much story missing and um i don't know it's just very very powerful to, to hear the true like history of our country yeah and I think like you did the blanketing ceremony through the city of Surrey yeah so there's opportunities to do it like honestly you could probably google search and find blanketing ceremonies that are happening all over um you probably have to pay for it but worth it if you want to do it um but I think too also um Sorry, I was just thinking about like resources and things that you're talking about. Um, like May 5th, was it May 5th that was missing and murdered Indigenous woman in Two Spirit Day? Um, women, girls in Two Spirit. I think that's a huge thing too that often people forget about is that we have thousands and thousands of missing and murdered Indigenous women in Two, in two Spirit people missing. Um, and that's something that's really heavy in our communities. Um, that's another educational tool piece. Um, it's been weighing really heavy on me definitely this past week. And so I, I've kind of talked my ear off about it, my mouth off about it. Um, but I really encourage you to learn about it. Um, if that's a step two you want to see where reconciliation or where work needs to be done. When an Indigenous person goes missing, action is... Con- contacting RCMP, but petitioning with the family, supporting families when th- when women when their women and girls go missing, especially in remote communities. Um, like yeah, there's there's blanketing ceremonies, there's books, 
There's probably TED Talks. There's local ceremonies um, and things that happen within the community within Vancouver. Like I was at the beach the other day and a family was drumming and singing on the beach. Like if you're in that situation, sit, stand there and listen and give thanks and honor them that they're literally blessing you, blessing you with this opportunity to listen to the songs that were probably sang on that beach for tens and thousands of years. Like that's, that blows my mind. I think you were at the beach with me when they were singing and I just couldn't handle it. I thought it was the most beautiful thing ever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, um, But yeah, there's really great resources. I don't know if we want to, do you want me to spill them off? Yeah, do it. Um, yeah. Missing more Indigenous women. I read The Highway of Tears. I think it's written by a white woman disclaimer, but she's a journalist and she tells a story of girls that have gone missing. There's a few books. I don't know the names of them. Braiding Sweetgrass, 100 million trillion percent recommend. Um, 21 Things I Know About the um, Indian Act is really good if you want to look into policies. Um, there's a bunch of, um, what do you call t- TikToks, Instagrammers, mm. um, decolonize first is a great one. Um, I'm trying to think of, indi- sorry, I'm coming up with them. Indigenous, um, indigenous, the indigenous foundation is a good one. A collective of indigenous BIPOC women, two-spirit and non-binary folks focus on bringing awareness to Indigenous groups and rights. Um, it's basically called the Indigenous Foundation. Um, indigenous cultural, Indigenous intentions is cultural awareness jewelry, but they do a lot of like teachings and showing. Um, there's just so many. These are just like two that popped up right on my thing. Um, yeah. Learn about the history. Look it up, like especially your local, your local area that you live in. If you live in Vancouver, look up the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh histories online. Like check out their websites; they have information. Um, start honoring and recognizing traditional names. I think is a big one. Um, a thing that we used to do is. I find it interesting we used to call Squamish Squim Squam Seven Mesh. And now I look back, I'm like, that was not good. Like that's kind of like I don't think the traditional language should be a joke. And so like I butchered everything but I was taught that it was Squamish, the Squamish people. And so like learning that, um, I'm practicing learning Squamish language. I'm saying Hasquale, good morning, or Hoichka, thank you. Like just things like that. Um, honoring it, learning, yeah, like the areas. So, like, Squamish, Suelatuth, like, Suelatuth. Um, like, some of our traditional, like, um, Eslahan or Hamalchison are two areas of our traditional names of our land. And so, honoring that, taking the time to learn that, the traditional name of the territory that you live on, it's just, um, an honorable thing, great thing to do. Um, I don't know if I think of any more, I'll send them to you guys. You can post them on your Instagram. <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> um, there's a tool that I've used a couple times um, for doing land acknowledgements at work um, that I can share with everyone. It's called like native-land.com or something like that, but it's really cool. You can like type in your home address or any address and it'll show you uh, which um, like indigenous people's land you're on, like around the world, which is really cool. Um, And they like link to all of their websites if they have websites and all sorts of really, really um, amazing resources. So I can nice. with everyone. Um, super helpful for me. Uh, just seeing, yeah, all of the, nice. all of the people's land who 
I live and work on. Yeah. Well, especially if we're across like the lower mainland, like we definitely spend time on different areas. Mm-hmm. Like the Quant- and you have like Kwantlen Swas and Semiamu. Mm-hmm. Um, or we're going to the island mm-hmm. and giving thanks for that. Um, the land we get to surf on or travel the beaches on or camp on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Amazing. Uh, Katie, do you have any? You just did the clapping hand emoji on Zoom. I don't even know how to do that. I'm a grandma. <laughs> We've been every day on Zoom for 10,000 hours. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. You oh, did Jess. Jessica did the surprise face. What's raising your hand? Like, is it like. It's like if you have a question. Yeah. <laughs> What's your question, Jess? <laughs> I have no questions. I'm going to lower your hand. I was going to say, are we done? <laughs> Just kidding. I love you guys. Molly? Uh, um, yeah, I think that that is a good place to end off. Yeah. Um, thanks, Jess, so much for coming on. Um, we've no problem. To have you back, I'm sure. Maybe it's to have a whole episode about trends and low-rise jeans or maybe it will be a part two to this conversation yeah but um either way we're super thankful for you and your wisdom and your willingness to teach us you're awesome thank you oh well what we do in sorry i'll explain like when we're thankful or we feel i guess what I notice is when we're thankful, we feel honored. Say OCM, which is thank you. And say we raise your hands in thanks or in honor or in admiration of someone. So raise your hands to both of you oh. for the podcast and the work that you're doing. Wow. Okay. He's gonna cry. He's gonna cry again. <laughs> we cry again. Okay, I'm just gonna cry. It's good. But yeah. I don't, I don't know. That was beautiful. I think that I think we can't add any more. Okay. Well, I was gonna say, um, I was gonna end off if you watch Making a Murderer or My Favorite Murderer, my favorite murderer, they always say stay sexy. I've always wanted to say that on the podcast. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Stay okay, sexy. say it to end us. And don't get murdered. I think that's what they say. I might have butchered that. <laughs> Sexy, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.